0: The number you have reached 911 has been changed to a non-published number.
1: You're listening to UCW Radio in your face.
2: Welcome to another segment of the UCW Radio Show, and this is your host, Lou, aka Falcon Coparis, and I want to thank all of our listeners for their continued support by listening to the show. We have some great guests that are continuing to come on. And uh, we're just going to bring you the best of the best as we move forward because we're increasing our syndication. We're um, bringing, uh, as I said, great guests on the show. So keep listening. And the UCW radio show, we're going to strive to be better and better as time goes on. And I have to uh, put a word out there for sponsors, advertisers, marketers. Uh, that want to tie into the UCW radio show, uh, go to ucwmagazine.com. Definitely do so, uh, and that way, uh, you know, some sort of partnership could uh, develop. And in just a little while, we're going to have, um, I'm going to say, um, it's it's an ultra-special guest. He is an innovator. He is a visionary. Uh, He is, I, I guess, he can be the poster boy For the American dream, coming from nothing, building an empire, and continuing to help not only himself or his personal wants and needs, but actually to help the country through innovation. And he is a humble guy, and his story is amazing, and I'm honored to have him on the show today so that our listeners, you guys, can actually... um, Really get a glimpse into his life, and understand that the American dream is out there, and if you want it, all you need to do is go get it. I'm not going to run through all the stuff that he's done, but he is an incredible individual. Uh, but we will get to him in a second. Before we bring him uh, on the line, I need to let our listeners know that uh, if you want to, uh, if you have a question or a comment, and you want to pose it. All you need to do is uh, give us a jingle at 323-952-4369. Leave us a message, or if we're live, then you'll be live. Uh, Just make the questions or comments interesting. If you want to know who who we're going to have on the show, what guests on what particular day, all you need to do is go to ucwmagazine.com and uh, find out we try to put the schedule up there to make it easier for our listeners to follow what we're doing and who is coming on because every every guest we have on has an amazing story and um, again we're just uh, honored to be able to uh, provide the platform to tell these stories and again I have to uh, say it again about the sponsorship Uh sponsors can uh, that want to tie into the UCW radio show, just go to ucwmagazine.com, contact us, and uh, let's talk about it. Uh, if you're on Twitter, then you, can shoot, you can shoot me out some questions, comments. Again, just as making a phone call, you can tweet me uh, directly. My Twitter name is Luis Velazquez. That's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. Follow me and tweet away. Now, without further ado, uh, I want to... Patch in uh, a man that, as I said earlier, he's a visionary. He is the epitome of, um, American, of the American dream. And if anyone out there has a dream that they want to go reach for something, listen to what he's going to have to say. Because during this interview, I am giving him the opportunity to tell his story for our listeners just for the benefit of them knowing his journey. And that's what this show is all about. So without further ado, here is the founder of DeMora Motor Car, Alfred DeMora. <laughs> Alfred, it's great to have you on the UCW Radio Show. Uh, thanks for taking time, uh, especially on a Saturday morning, uh, for us.
0: Uh, you're welcome. It's uh, good to be on the show.
2: Uh, that, that's great to hear. Uh, we always appreciate, and I say this all the time, we, we always appreciate the time our guests put aside because uh, your time is valuable, and I just wanted to uh, let that out. Uh, now, Alfred, you're a man on a mission, and there's no other way for me to put it. You are a man on a mission. You're a visionary for all intents and purposes. Uh, I just want to give our listeners an overview of uh I brought strokes on your on your life. You've accomplished so many things, and I really don't have enough time in my life to go over it because I'd have to be about, I don't know, about 80 before I can get to everything. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but you were inducted into the uh, Knights of Malta in uh, 2001, which... I find incredible. Uh, you've been involved in everything from, uh, chemical recycling and public relations management to software development and even developing infomercials. And of course, the automotive industry. Uh, in short, your resume is very long and we're not going to go through everything. I'm not anyway. You can talk about it because I just don't have enough breath. I, I didn't do enough cardio to, to go through that. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, we, I, I just find that your, your story, uh, impressive. And it is impressive. Uh, now you're working on a new project, the development of a handmade automobile. I saw the pictures, I read about it. All I can say is, wow, yeah, incredible. But before we get into your new, your new project, uh, I want to get into the, to, to, to the core of the show. And that's you and your journey. So if you don't mind, I'd like to start at the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Rochester, right? New York?
0: Yeah, Rochester, New York, upstate.
2: Yep. Okay, great. Now, as uh, you know, being a kid from Rochester, you know, you were always into cars.
0: I was, you know, uh, upstate New York. You know, as you know, in the winter time, or if you don't know, it gets really cold, and so oh, <laughs> I I know. nine months, nine months of the year, and so uh, a lot of us uh, worked on cars. I mean, it, you know, if you had a hobby, that uh, that was one of them, and so. Uh, I I just love cars since I was a young young kid and um everyone around me was working on cars so it, it, it was kind of a natural fit you know
2: but but your fascination was so deep that you made it a point and to to rebuild a burnt out uh, 39 Buick
0: yeah, you know, I always had that uh, burning desire that, you know, I wanted to do something that uh, when someone told me I couldn't do it, it always seemed to be challenging to me. Right. And I was glad that that energy was pushed in the, the right direction. And the 39 Buick was kind of the start where, you know, it was burnt out in the garage. And uh, pretty much I bought it, I think, for $20 because they were just going to junk it. And I said, I'd love to restore this thing. And uh, I took it and brought it over to a uh Uh, a hangout house, you might call it, of of some people. And uh, Paul, at that time, uh, knew an awful lot about cars. And I I don't know, I guess I was 14 or 13, somewhere in there. And we started to uh, uh, restore that car. And uh, Paul said, the only way you're going to learn is do it. And so that's how how it began there, with that particular car.
2: But but what's interesting about that story, and this is a point that I want to stress, is that you did all this, and you didn't even know how to drive.
0: No, I wasn't driving at the time, you're right. Um <laughs> just had an infatuation about cars like everyone, you know, as a young boy, I'd see a Ferrari or something go by or read it in a magazine and said, wow, that, that that's something, you know, um, and uh, so it, as that fascination became more and more, you know, you get more and more indulged into it, so. Yeah, you're right. I wasn't driving at the time. Yeah, but, uh, Didn't think about it at the time though, you know, I just had a, a mindset, this is what I was gonna
2: do. Right, well I mean I think that's that's pretty cool, you know, uh to uh be that into it and not for the for the purpose of driving the car but just to to do it and see the end result, you know, that's fantastic. Uh now just jumping forward, uh, in, in the mid seventies, you made the move from Rochester, New York, uh, and you wound up in California, and you went there to, to, to work for uh, the Clinet, the Clinet co- uh, Coachworks, right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I was like the sixth employee there, and um, very early on, uh, you know, the car was very, very crude um, that Alon had put together, and, and uh, we made that thing into a car that, you know, uh, I think at the time, in fact, at the time, none of us knew that it would grow into what it was. But um, when I was there, I wanted to build something extremely um, unique, um, different, and a very high caliber of quality also.
2: But how did you get that, uh, how, how did you go from Rochester to, to, to go to California? What, what what brought you to go to ClinA?
0: Well, it, you know, uh, ClinA was actually just by chance. Um, when I was in uh, Rochester, um, I worked in a program, like a co-op program, where I I uh, became a machinist and I even worked in the evenings uh, at a place called Heinz and Sulz, which is, I don't even know if it's still there today. It's so many years ago. But um, I became a machinist and then I went to welding school. So uh, when I was doing the Buick and whatnot, uh, you know, you find that, you know, you needed to make a part or you couldn't find a part. So you had to make it. And the only way that you would make it is I couldn't rely on someone else. I had to rely on myself. And so Uh, I was too poor at that time to send it out, so I figured I needed to make it myself. So I kind of self-taught myself and then went to a co-op program, which really taught me an awful lot about being a machinist and uh, how to weld.
2: So you became a welder.
0: Well, a machinist and a welder. You know, when you get into that trade, uh, anybody that's in that trade today, if they're machining, they're uh, pretty much welding, too. I mean, it's not just one thing anymore. It's a combination of things.
2: Okay. I mean, that, that's, that's great. What I'm trying to do uh, for our listeners to establish, so, so actually not establish, for them to understand that it, you didn't just wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to make cars. This was something that uh, you, you had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations to get to where you are today. So that's kind of like going through the chronology of your life because I think it's an amazing story. Um, and, you know, you having to go and become a machinist and a, and a welder and so on and so forth, Uh, you started from the ground up. Nothing was handed to you.
0: Yeah. You, you know, it's interesting when you're when you're building any car or any project, if, if you don't know the project uh, better yourself uh, or can't do it, then how do you expect someone else to do it for you? So that mm-hmm. was kind of my, my theory. And uh, not knowing it at the time, obviously, you know, you did things right because you wanted them done right. So um, as meticulous as I was, which I drove a lot of people crazy, it just turned out to have a nice product. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nice product, the end result was people wanted it.
2: <laughs> right, right. I mean, if, if more corporations uh, <laughs> around had that thought process of putting someone in charge that really knew the business better than anyone there, then we would have uh, a lot less companies going under.
0: Yeah, I I kind of laugh at the theory when they say, hey, I I put people better than me around me. And I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, you're letting someone else rely on your own business and uh, it's in their hands. And you don't know if they're better than you. (laughs) I mean, you're supposed to be the one that knows it all. So uh, I I don't get that theory when people tell me that. But um, I guess it works for some.
2: To each his own. That's that's the way I I look at things. Um, But now... But what you did at Clinet um, just shows your drive and, and passion. What impressed me more is that you know you went on not, not only to take control of Clinet, but you, at, at the same time, you went out and uh, you created another motor car company, the uh, Scepter. I did. I, yeah, I did.
1: And
2: you won. Very prestigious awards for for all the work with, with both uh, with both car companies. Now, can you tell us what drove you to take control of ClinA and and launch the uh, the scepter at the same time? Because that's a lot.
0: It, it was. Um, I I always thought the uh, management of ClinA at the time that I was in was headed down the wrong path, um, and uh, it, it kind of proved itself that that you know it, it went that way because it. Filed itself into a a chapter proceedings, and uh, the opportunity was there. And a lot of people knew me and believed in me and and, uh, my theories. And so I I got some backing for the Clinet, and um, kind of took off with it. And it kind of proved itself. The scepter, on the other hand, was um, uh, was uh, the Clinet was an elegant. um, And if you've seen both uh, pictures, and I I know you have, but the listeners, but uh, they're both. Two different cars, completely, but they're based off of the same theory on the same running gears and whatnot. And what I was trying to show there was, there's this sports luxury side, like the, uh, like a Jaguar would be versus uh, uh, a Rolls-Royce. And the Clinet kind of gave you that uh, Rolls-Royce luxury feel, lambswool carpeting and burl wood and crystal ashtrays and you know all the real great features that you would find in any fantastic car where the Scepter was more of a sporty car um uh, had a I wanted to get behind the car and feel like I was, it was a sports car but you had a luxury car okay, so. um and it clearly became you know its own entity on its own the Scepter did and uh, a lot of people say hey they like the Scepter better than the a and vice versa so it it Caught both markets, which we were trying to capture, and we did. We managed to do that at the uh, auto show in 1978. Um, we won Best Car Show, uh, first time showing the Scepter, uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fantastic award.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it is fantastic, and maybe it just shows uh, all the work you put into it. You know, it was recognized by your peers.
0: It was, uh, in those early days when, uh, I was doing that, we didn't have what we have today, the internet and all that, uh, neat stuff. I had a Polaroid and I would take a picture of a Polaroid and, uh, what you'll see on my internet if you go there under So these pictures are kind of poor quality because they're, they're a Polaroid and I physically took pictures of the car as it was proceeding along and I would take it to different dealers and different people and show them virtually almost week by week below on how the car was coming. Right. Uh, and then, of course, invited him to come to the show. And uh, obviously from a picture of four wheels to the end result of the show, uh, it, it showed itself, you know.
2: You know, when you you saw start, but starting something from the ground up like that you know it's not like you had the uh, at that point it's not like you had the bankroll of a of a Ford or a General Motors at that time where you had to actually hustle take take your Polaroid run out and go meet people kind of like uh, Colonel Sanders with Kentucky Fried Chicken
0: yeah there's no question you know uh, a lot of people say man you're a lucky guy and I say yeah it's a four letter word it's called work <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go <laughs> I like that I like that <laughs> But it's so and true. That,
0: you, know, the, you know, people don't realize it, but it was 16-hour days. And yeah. and, uh, and even to this day, today, I mean, you know, either you have it or you don't. You're, you're prepared and you're dedicated to what you're doing. And, you know, obviously it's my passion, so it doesn't feel like work. So mm-hmm. when I'm working 16-hour days, it doesn't feel like I work 16-hour days.
2: Right, but you still have to put the time in because something's just not going to uh, you know, develop out of nothing. It doesn't happen. Yeah, there's,
0: there's no free lunch out there, and, there, and there's, there's no question. There, there's an awful lot of work that goes into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons I put up on my uh, website and uh, showing how a car is built, and I can only give a, a flavor of it to uh, young people and older, just in all walks of life, it, it kind of gives you a flavor of what it really takes to build a car today, you know?
2: Well, you have to go through a lot of steps from doing things on a small scale, so, and you have to go through the, the, everything from the window to the handle to the motor to this to that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't envy you on that, but, uh. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, down to the screw, does the, the, the screw head fit in the right place? And a lot of people don't think about it when you drive a car, you get it, you turn it on, and you, you drive it away. Well, that's great, but, um there is, um about nine thousand pieces that make all that go together.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a lot involved there because, uh, as you said, you know, especially if you if you're doing something uh, like you're doing that luxury type of model, and you're putting more stuff in there. So there's a lot of thought, and there's a lot of uh, work. There's a lot of it, There's a lot of time involved in the production of each car.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's not like okay, we're gonna go uh, on the assembly line and let's just go bang this out and uh, you know uh, turn them and burn them type of thing. That's not that's not what you're about.
0: No, uh, that's that's not what Demora Motorcars been or myself for all these years. Uh, we've always tried to go on cutting edge, and and um, you know obviously we we're on the higher ed- end of cutting edge. But what ends up happening is is that, um, and I look at it as a business sense if I'm selling a two million dollar car and people a lot of people say to me well who's going to buy a two million dollar car and to tell you the truth there's um you know i I forgot the number of billionaires just uh, around the world today we have a mailing list of them but it's extremely strong and especially uh, Mm multi-millionaires um you know it's in the thousands uh, which people don't realize but even a guy that's buying a $2 million car, a lot of people say, well, that's just for ego and whatnot. And I say, you know, these people are actually really helping me. And uh, and uh, because when they purchase a $2 million car, uh, there's profit in these cars. And I can take that profit, turn around, put it into um, more um, exploring for new technologies and, and uh, you know, just trying to get stuff out there, which ends up trickling down to the person that's driving their normal car and to get kind of give you an example. Then Natalia has a heated windshield wiper, uh, and that's taken a lot to go through with our technology partners and whatnot. Uh, but eventually, uh, that heated windshield wiper, especially coming from Rochester, New York, would make a lot of sense to a lot of people in cold weather. No doubt. And it's, and it's on a two million dollar car, but uh, you know we spent the money getting it there to R and D, it, which people don't realize how much money it costs to do that. So. In a sense, these people that are buying my $2 million car allow me to do a lot more R&D. As everyone knows, I own the company 100%, so I don't have any outside investors whatsoever. So it is all done on my own dime. So um, in a way, they're helping me. And obviously, they're they're car lovers, and they want to have the best out there. So.
2: But you're, you're absolutely right. I, I like the fact that you made that point because what you're doing on a luxury automobile with all the little things that people, you know, they think about They say, wow, you know, I wish I didn't have to scrape this ice off the windshield and I wish I didn't have to do this. I, don't, I wish I didn't have to do that. You know, you're creating this stuff where at some point in time, uh, one, of the, the, one of the mass automakers may take that idea. Go and if they have the opportunity and the licensing rights, everything else, and they would go and create it for their automobiles. And again, as you said, it, it goes down to the average Joe that has a, a Nissan or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it does trickle down. That trickle down effect does happen. And, you know, we're, uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, we're kind of pioneers out there where, you know, can a computer go in a car? And, you know, when I started out, uh, three and a half years ago with the project, um, I was convincing car companies that the future is computers because, as you know, I was involved in computers. Mm-hmm. And i seen the future of cars and computers coming together um, so well that I've pushed very, very hard. And, uh, and now you're starting to see stuff that I had talked about three and a half years ago and wrote about Car companies are catching on, and and you know what? I'm glad for that because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make and encourage other people to see what we're seeing or what we believe.
2: But you know what makes you different, Alfred, than uh, General Motors or Ford, beyond uh, your, your business model, is you, as you said, you own your company. You are the guy. You you know what you're doing there. Uh, where you have uh, General Motors, well, Ford, they did something smart. I like the way they, they, they brought in a, a reorganization, uh, kingpin, to help restructure the company so they, they wouldn't go out of business. But you have companies out there in the automotive world that just put people at the head of the table uh, for no other reason, but they don't know anything about the auto business. So uh, that kind uh, of confuses know,
0: me. You wouldn't. What confuses me in the automobile industry is is that you have uh, outside people, outside the automotive industry, that have come in, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know there's people from Home Depot that come in and different different aspects, and, and you and you look at that and you say, now how's a guy that understand? And I understand that you can build widgets and. All that if you're a businessman, you're a businessman. But I have to tell you, cars is different. You have 9,000 pieces that have to go down. You have the dealers. You have the network. And then you have the, the, the consumer that's buying the car. And so, you know, how do you get someone from outside the industry and say to them, say that they're passionate? In other words, Lee Coca was passionate to what he did. And he proved his point with Chrysler back when. Mm-hmm. He was so passionate about it. He understood cars. He developed the cars that the people wanted, and the bottom line came. He never worried about the shareholders, not once, because he knew that the end result would be is that the shareholders would be happy because they're selling cars. In today's environment, my feeling is, and of course this is strictly my opinion, is we're, we're worried too much about the bottom line to shareholders instead of being passionate about the car. And if you build yourself a car that's so good-looking and, and performance and separates you from the other cars and quality and everything else, um, then the bottom line always comes. Right. I mean, that's always been my experience. So I think the philosophy there just kind of needs to change a little bit. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, but now you have some government influence to it, and uh, whenever that happens, then,
2: um, you know, anytime
0: that you have somebody guiding you other than what your heart's telling you where it should go, um, then I, 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 you know, hey, it becomes a problem. I, I'm lucky in the in the fact that um, I don't have any board of directors. I don't have anybody. And if I make a mistake, it's my mistake. But at the same time, I ask people for help. Right. And by doing that, when you go to my website, it says, you know, tell me if you know something or if I'm doing something wrong or if you don't like it. I, I'm interested to hear about it or if you do like it. Yeah. Because uh, I would love to build cars that people love, not not just, you know, obviously for my own taste. Right. Well,
2: you mean, know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, of course. Of course. Everyone has their own view of uh, the perfect automobile for them. And even though you're, you're building luxury automobiles, uh, you know, getting input, and that's, that's smart. Forget about cars for a second. That's smart as a businessman to connect with the people because the, these are the people that, you know, eventually are going to buy Buying
0: buy your cars, you know, I, oh. I can give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about, which is a very the Chrysler 300 came out years ago, as, as we all know. And when that car came out, the writers wrote about this car, saying, I forgot what the quote was, uh, "ugly, docile, or Bruce goose. You know, they put some connotation to that car, mm-hmm. and as if you can imagine, all the Chrysler dealers at that time thinking to myself, "God, we just ordered two and three hundred of these things. We don't even know what they look like." We've got a little flavor of it, but, you know, until I actually hit the lot, we don't know what we just bought. Mm-hmm. Now I've got, you know, all the press beating down the car. What is the consumer thinking, especially the dealer that's really out there for profit? The car hits the lots, and all of a sudden, you know, Bentley comes out with a car, and this car has a flavor of a Bentley. And people look at it saying, buy I'm going to buy myself a $30,000, $40,000 Bentley. I love this car. And it just kind of made the whole industry look stupid. The writers, mm-hmm. you know, the, the everybody along the way. And if they just ask their consumer, do you like this? Why hide the cars today? Mm-hmm. Why not ask your, your customers what they want? Yeah. You know, you see all these polka dotted cars and the spy thing and all that. All that sort of makes me laugh, you know. <laughs> and and the only reason for that is, is that uh, car companies are copying each other almost to the T. Yeah. But just look, when you drive down the street of the freeway, um, I don't know, I c I can't tell one car from another anymore.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean look, look not me. No, look at the Mercedes. You have a Mercedes or what did I see? I a I mean, Maserati. I love the car way back when. I owned one, so I love the car. Now I see the the Maserati, yeah, you see the name, you're like, Wow, Maserati. I look at the car, I'm like, Well, it kinda looks like a Nissan <laughs> type of thing. You know? Um and, and then you look at other cars like the Mercedes, they change the body style of the car. So now it looks like everything else out there. So it becomes, as you, and you're right, it becomes who's following who and, and why.
0: Yeah, and uh, that shouldn't be. You know what? I, I feel as though I'll put it all out there and be the leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, if someone copies me, my wife always says to me, God, you know, they're, they're doing self-parking now, and that was going to be in your car. And I said, isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, uh, crash and all this other stuff. And I'm saying, this is fantastic. And I said, you know what? If I'm the most knocked off person as far as taking technology, from I'm the happiest guy in the world. Because ultimately, the Natalia that I'm building has it all under the kitchen sink, and it costs X amount of dollars. And obviously, the other car companies can't do that because of their budgetary restrictions. But it's nice to see all this stuff. It's nice to see computers and GPS Mm -hmm. and all that. To help and guide people.
2: Well, you know, they they say, and this is what they say, that the ultimate um, compliment is someone copying you.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that, that's what you that's what you got. And, and you know, just in case our listeners are are not convinced of you being a visionary, which I know you are, uh, you created and marketed the first 50/50 antifreeze. I mean, That's right. yeah. I mean, I, look, all our listeners need to understand. This is stuff that you find in every gas station, every every Arnott's, Strauss, pet Boys across the country. Um, what lit up in you that drove you to, to, to make that happen?
0: Well, it, it's interesting. When, you know, when when you look at cars today, and I was looking at the inhibitor packages which make up the antifreeze, and uh, you know. Different inhibitor packages cost more money, and which would give you more length, you know, 100,000 mile warranties versus 20,000 mile warranty on the antifreeze. So, I thought, well, why not do 50/50 antifreeze and put the DI water in, and have it ready to use. Not only is it easy for any person, uh, including my wife, which knows nothing about cars, and there's a lot of people out there just know nothing about cars.
1: And what You're they do right. is they
0: take a hose and they put it in your car. You remember the day you just yeah. go up to the hose and you put it in there. What they don't, didn't understand at that time was that they're introducing salts mm-hmm. to the car. And it wasn't the oil killing the car. It was the antifreeze because the salt would eat away. And, and you remember the day where you used to see the white crust on your radiator on yeah. the hose. Well, that, that's the salt that's pouring through, uh, from the hard waters. Oh, uh, wow. Everybody, so that's, you know, salts. That was coming through. So, on the bottle, when you read any of the antifreeze bottles, it said that you have to mix it with DI water. And uh, I'll bet you that 99% of them never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And then plus you had to get a certain mixture. A lot of people have uh, a little misunderstanding of antifreeze, which is mm-hmm. so critical. I think, in my opinion, antifreeze is more critical than the oil in the car. Right. Um, simply because it eats all the rubber away inside the radiator, um, not, you know, inside the uh, water pumps and uh, any seals, and especially when we're talking about big equipment. Mm-hmm. So um, when you can just take it, pour it in, uh, and by the way, we added a bittering agent to it and color. Uh, our antifreeze was a fluorescent, fluorescent color, which animals don't like, and then we added a bittering agent in it, uh, for the environmentalists uh, so the animals wouldn't d- wouldn't drink that mm-hmm. uh, You know they would shy away from it and not not die from uh, the antifreeze oh. But it, it, to me it only made sense if you put put yourself a better inhibitor package uh, did a 50-50 antifreeze and um, uh, Just poured in ready to use well, then anybody would use it and guess what it was half the price yeah. um When I started this, people told me, there's no way, Al, that people are going to spend 50 cents or um, spend the money on 50% water in a jug. You're just not going to tote around water in a jug and people are going to buy it. I said, you know, water's become the hottest commodity around. And obviously today, my theory was right about the water, too. I mean, you know, water's becoming more valuable than oil, but... And, and a car, it, it only made sense. And um, it, it struck me when people said to me, you know, uh, on the antifree side of things, um, you know, uh, the other products out there were selling for 8 $9, and I was selling for three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to a grocery department store and said, hey, we'd like to get an MCAT and put out there and, and compete against one of your best brands, and I'll pay for it just to show you. And, and we outsold, I think at that time, about six to one. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it was easy to pour, it was ready to use, Uh, it was DI water, and um, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, It was friendly to the environment for the animals and whatnot. So that really did take off around the uh, world, in fact. And then I came up with a second product for uh, heavy uh, trucks and uh, heavy equipment a lot of people aren't aware of. When uh, a truck driver would break down, uh, another truck would have to pick him up, haul him into the garage. Uh, we'll, we'll, they have these pre-filters that have to pre-charge up the antifreeze, uh, and this is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I said, why don't we come up with an antifreeze that's 50-50 that's pre-charged? Why do I have to haul a truck in and spend thousands and thousands of dollars when a truck driver can carry six-pack in their back, load it up, and they can fix it on the road themselves and be down the road, especially for an independent? Right. And, uh, that took off very well. In fact, it ended up in the mining industry. It ended up in the, um, I had some resistance, um, you know, obviously with the big motors because they were saying, well, God, you're, you're not only doing 50-50, you're doing recycled antifreeze. And God bless America. I'm, I'm trying to help there too. So, yeah. I mean, I was recycling, um, what, 12 years ago? Uh, became the largest recycling outfit. Mm. around for antifreeze. Mm. So, um, you know, we wanted to reuse that stuff and put it out there. And um, the inhibitor packages are very interesting because you can have an inhibitor package that will go 20,000 miles or 100,000 miles. And uh, obviously, uh, General Motors and uh, other people came in to play that that uh, listened to some of the stuff that I said at some of these seminars that uh, I, I was at and speaking at. Um, that you know, I see in the future. Why not have antifreeze that lasts 100,000 miles? Mm-hmm. And um, like everything else should.
2: Right. I mean, if so, you... go ahead. I'll let you finish.
0: Well, that that's sort of the uh, the antifreeze story. And that you know, you asked me how I came up with it, and I just seen a real need for it, and a desire. And obviously, it's still out there today. Which, uh, and I know it will be around as long as uh, there's engines around.
2: Well, I mean, I'll I'll. I'll... Pat you on the back for that because I have that in my car, <laughs> and I just put it in there about a week ago. <laughs> I went actually I went to the store and it's funny because I went to the store and I said, "Well, I need antifreeze," and I see all those antifreeze. I see this thing fifty-fifty. So there we go. That's what I'm that's what I'm using. And uh, cool. so that, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one one of the things is is on the mixture of antifreeze. Um, <clears throat> and I was about to say that. Uh, a lot of people don't understand if you put too much antifreeze in, a lot of people just go, oh, I'll put more antifreeze in. Well, in, in very cold weather, especially in Alaska one—not I mean, antifreeze will slush up. That's, you have to have a transfer agent through there, which is the water. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was so critical to balance it out. If you have too much uh, antifreeze, it will slush up. If you have too little, it will overheat. So you had to have the perfect uh, mixture, and that's what a 50-50 came in. But
2: it's like common sense, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, and at the time we branded it preferred coolant uh, because I felt that it was preferred. It was 50/50, ready to use, nice little star. It was a no-brainer, and anybody could buy it and pour it in your car. I feel confident that they did it exactly the way they needed to do it.
2: Well, it's it's interesting how you know you did that, and that's used all over the world, as you said, all over the world. And you go to any is. any major store, you see this. It's kind of like you know with the light bulb everyone uses it. You know, it, it, it was something, it was an innovation that, that uh, was developed and it became uh, there for mass consumption, just like uh, the 50-50 antifreeze. I, I find that story amazing. Uh, now, we're going to, uh, as we're going through this, is just one amazing chapter in your life after another. And uh, that's why I'm glad to have you on the show. So you went from developing that the fifty-fifty antifreeze. Now you went on to to found Starbridge Systems, which is a computing technology company. Now I'm not I'm not going to go and tell a story on this. This is something you need to tell us because I found this. It, I got I was floored when I read this. So tell us about Starbridge and what you did with them.
0: Well, uh, Starbridge uh, actually is a very interesting company. Uh, the technologies of the FPGAs were out there, fill-programmable uh, Gatorades, and uh, uh, even to this day, they st- still don't really understand how, how, how they work, but, um, <clears throat> they are a powerful tool chip set that, uh, Xilinx and Altera, some other people actually, uh, um uh, developed, um, uh, and, and basically, uh, the difference between an ASIC chip and a, um, uh, FPGA chip is that an ASIC chip is, uh, once you program this chip, it uh, automatically is stuck or embedded into that. So if you're using only 10% of the chip, uh, you're using 100% of the power, which doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The FPGA, on the other hand, um, uh, our chip was called the Penza chip, which meant thinking in Italian. Um, But uh, the the Penza chip was uh, you only use the energy that you Wanted on demand at the time. So, an analogy is: is if you needed to dig a hole, um, and you needed a small hole or a large hole, you you know, you would take this little uh, spoon and you would, you know, start digging the hole, and then you take a shovel, and then you kind of go from there Mm -hmm. uh, until you ended up with a back hole. Well, wouldn't it be easier if I can just take that cookie cutter uh, and backhoe and just make it the same size that I needed each time only at the time that I needed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was sort of the concept of that. And th- what we did is we paralleled those up and we had a, a lot of, uh, of, of issues going on there for layering of boards uh, because at that time only six to seven boards could be layered together on top of one another before you ended up with static and you could see anything on your computer. So we ended up with a whole mass of... of um, Problems that went on with it, but we set off and built out the world's smallest, fastest supercomputer that plugged into a normal 110, and, and, uh, there was a lot of defeat there, uh, that, you know, we accomplished with it, um, that I, I think companies didn't accomplish it in over 10 years, uh, that we did in, in a matter of a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it hyper-rhythm language. I coined the, uh, the word called hypercomputing. I always felt as though that, um, it was the next level of, of computing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, the, the hypercomputer, uh, stepped in. And as you knew that we did a lot of work for, uh, NASA and, the cancer Institute and uh, a whole bunch of neat projects out there that were, uh, humanitarian involved. Um, some of it went to weapons, which uh, I don't know if I agree with or disagree with in this day and age, but, uh, um, I, for the most part, I think that uh, this technology is, uh, was to help mankind and move mm-hmm. mankind forward also gave me a real grasp of what my next level for my next car was because mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And the only way that I was going to do that was learn it 100% uh, myself. So mm-hmm. if someone asked me what a V is, I could tell you. If someone asked me how to put a board together, I could tell you. I can do it. Mm-hmm. So it was a real... Um, good learning curve for myself to understand what I needed to do to put it back in the cars mm-hmm. uh, because I found myself in uh, GM, uh, Chrysler, Ford, all the car companies, like all the engineers, uh, computers were great, but I, I know how to use them at a certain level, not to integrate them. Right. Because we typically go in for one field and we stay in that field and, right. and that's that, you know. So uh the uh, uh supercomputer turned out to be a pretty amazing uh thing and uh, it's uh wh- again what I called hypercomputer. Hyper rhythm language, uh nicknamed HAL.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So <clears throat> it was the um, thinking machine that was coming to life nicknamed Hal. That's where the penza chip came in. Okay. And um so the neat thing about uh, this type of computing is is that uh you only needed to have an interface, so we could actually have the compute power sitting anywhere at any central station, or even a home, for that matter, mm-hmm. and uh, we can disperse it out where you're just using the interface. You don't actually physically have to have the hardware with you. And uh, the way the software was put together is that you can actually push into the software, and the software name, by the way, was called Viva, and that meant life in Italian. Uh, and that's where that Ackerman came together, the thinking machine that came to life nicknamed HAL, Hyper-Rhythm Language. And um, so I always thought, you know, uh, this, what we were building was, you know, uh, HAL, because if you had the hardware, you can actually connect to our hardware, and it becomes one massive machine. Mm -hmm. So the more of these chips that uh, intertwine to one another, especially with the Internet, stronger the computer became it became one computer and that gave you more compute power when you had more compute power that uh, you were able to do uh, more computation when you're able to do more computation you can create really cool things with it mm-hmm. from animation to simulation for medical uh, uh, drugs and and all type of uh, things to speed up um, when, when you can simulate something in an hour that normally would take you five hours, or therefore for a month, mm-hmm. um, you can see what it does to the compute world.
2: It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, I need to ask you a question, Alfred. You didn't go to MIT or anything like that.
0: No, I, I graduated from a school called Gates-Charlie High School, and uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, they're Put me in their hall of fame at the end of the month isn't that nice yeah um, going, going right. to talk to the kids there but uh um, T- no congrats on that congratulations
2: on that that's great
0: yeah thank you yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was an honor too mm-hmm. and um i get a chance to speak to the kids and tell them you know they they can do it uh i did it they can do it mm-hmm. and uh, i didn't think of myself to be a genius by no means uh you know coming out of there uh out of that school so um I always believe people have the power to do what they want to do if they just put their minds to it, and I'm a perfect example of it. I've met many, many people in my position uh, that I sold cars to that were in the same exact position I was. They never went to uh, a college, and I'm not saying college is not good. College is great, especially if you're going to be a doctor or something. You have to, Mm -hmm. but uh, there are certain things that you just can't learn. You know in a book that you can learn on the street
2: (laughs) right exactly and then that's I mean That's that's what that's the mold that I come from so I totally understand uh, You know where you're coming from on that, you know, you know what's funny of it? I was watching uh, a movie uh, with uh, Robert Downey jr. And I just thought about you Uh, And he was an iron man Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie or not.
0: I I did, yeah, Yeah. I enjoyed that movie.
2: I mean, did, did your wife sit there and call you Tony Stark? That's what I want to know.
0: She did. She said, you know, look at those cars, and then, you know, look at all that stuff. And I said, isn't that cool? Maybe we ought to do that next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you
2: go. You are the real Tony Stark. I love it. I love that stuff. And that, now we're going to get into some fun stuff before we talk about the Natalia. Um, and this is, again, I you must love the Santa Monica Pier. I, I have to say that. You must love it.
0: I, you know, I, I do love Santa Monica and I do love the pier out there. Okay. There's no question about it. I actually spent the, uh, I lived in Santa Monica for about a year and a half myself. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I love it over there. But, you know, the reason, just for our listeners, the reason I say that, beyond, beyond uh, you and myself loving the Santa Monica pier, um, you are one of the major participants in Voyager, which is a project that you're going to build the largest ferris wheel.
0: Yeah, the Ferris wheel has been uh, very interesting and very challenging. It, it's it's uh, not what we call a Ferris wheel, although it is a Ferris wheel. It's, we call it an observation wheel, and the, the observation wheel um, is, has a lot of luxury to it, unlike, uh, you know, just the normal Ferris wheel. We get on it, stand it, and go around it. This is really meant to be an experience and a, an enjoyable uh, 27 minutes. You can sit down and have a drink, whether it's soft drink or uh whatever you'd like to your taste and uh you know really sit down and, and relax as a you've been in these restaurants on the on the very top uh where it's just moving real slow and you get to see the scenic all the way around in niagara falls and whatnot yeah. and that that's typically what the concept there was is to get in there really enjoy it enjoy yourself uh 27 minutes and and get a nice experience and uh so it's not your typical as you have seen the pictures it's not your typical ferris wheel itself and no. um it, it's uh it's a, a very challenging uh, project i must say um especially in these days and times um but a, a real fun project and uh you will see that come out um we're not sure exactly when but we are definitely working on it and uh, uh i know it will get done and um uh, and when it gets done, uh, I think everyone will really, really enjoy it and appreciate it.
2: Yeah, that's not going to be the fairest will that, uh, that's, that's geared towards, uh, kids. You know, I would think that more.
0: Uh, well, actually, it, it, you know, actually it's, it's geared to, it's geared, uh, you know, the first one wants going to Las Vegas and, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's geared to all walks of life. I'm, I'm assuming during the day we're going to have more kids, but, uh, mm-hmm. at night, you know, uh, you'd be surprised, uh, you know, from midnight to, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, the, the high rollers and different people that uh, really want to enjoy the nightlife. And, of course, Las Vegas never sleeps anyway.
1: So no, That's <laughs> true. That is true. It,
0: and and it's set up for a handicap. And, uh, you know, so uh, everybody, will, all walks of life will be able to go on there and enjoy it. So uh, if you want to have a glass of wine, you're an adult. Uh, or if you want to have a Coke and sit back with the kids, uh, one thing that we built in it, it was technology. And mm-hmm. so... Um, we we've thought of things if you want to be married on the wheel and one car can be switched into the marriage and everyone else can peek in on the other uh, on all the other uh, pods we call them uh-huh. it, it, it seats 20 people so you can have 20 people watching the ceremony go off or if you want to talk to your friend uh, you come with a group a school a college a family group whatever you're able to speak to the other pods uh, via these screens Oh,
2: huh. that, that's pretty interesting. I and one thing I'll I'll point out, uh, you put a lot of thought, or your group put a lot of thought into this, because you even uh included a, you made it handicap accessible, and for for me, that that's a big thing because I'm a big supporter of the Christopher Reeve and CRISPR Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, and stuff like that is very important, and I, I'm happy to hear that.
0: Well, you know, um, and you'll find it all in everything that I do. Um, we think the same way you do also, um, you know, um, not everybody has the ability of, of walking or talking or seeing, and so we try to cater to those people as best we know how. You know.
2: Well, I think that's fantastic. I think that's a big kudos to you on that one. And I'm sure that project, when I mean, it does come out, it's going to be amazing. I mean, if, they, if they can put a roller coaster on top of the building, uh, the Stratosphere, which uh, I know a lot about that because uh, when they raise capital for that, I help, I help do that. But if they can do something like that in Vegas, I mean, a uh, Ferris wheel or the uh, – the wheel that you're, you're – you're, it's not even a wheel. It's an experience. So it's an experience. It, it
0: is. We yeah. call it an observation wheel. Observation. It's 600 feet. Uh, the, the London Eye is uh, 450 feet. Of course, you have to stand in it. So I didn't want to give the feel uh, – the company didn't want to give the feel of, you know, hurtling cattle to go around and take a view. You want to sit back, relax, mm-hmm. and uh, you might want to stay on the thing for an hour and do two rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it surely is going to be an experience and something you can relax and enjoy.
2: That, that's pretty cool I, I like that idea and, and when you do uh, do launch that I want to definitely uh, go there and experience that because I'm sure that's going to be something that everyone is going to want to experience um, now we're gonna get into the meat of the show uh, your latest venture at the more motor car uh, tell us about the, the Natalia
0: uh, the Natalia, I, I set out to do the Natalia. Uh, learning through all these years and all the experiences that I had, I wanted to try to put it all in, into one package and uh, move this thing forward. And uh, I call it the New Detroit. And um, the reason why I call it the New Detroit is just because I I've, I've said to myself, I want to take a car and I want to look at each aspect of the car and see if it can be redesigned or made better from bumper to bumper. And starting with the bumper, with the bolts, with the nuts, so we went through each phase along the way uh, of this particular car. Uh, for instance, our chassis is made from lava rock, uh, the honeycomb sandwiched using lava rock, hmm. uh, which reduces the weight significantly, becomes biodegradable. Um, it's about eight times stronger than steel. It's uh, uh, Our chassis are extremely light. When you have a um, light chassis, um, you're able to, um, whenever you can take the weight out of a vehicle, mm-hmm. um, obviously you're using less energy, using less energy, whether it be gas or electric or anything, it doesn't make any difference. You'll go farther. Right. And um, so the um, Lava Rock chassis is uh, uh We have just now put out the press release on how we're doing it, all the testing on it, the crash testing on it, um, because people look at that and say, well, how do you do that? And the neat thing about it is is that it doesn't need any fixtures, so your tooling costs come down considerably, Hmm. and it goes together with epoxies, and it takes about, I mean, I could build a chassis in about 20 minutes, if you're unskilled, about 40 minutes.
2: Or me, probably so, two hours, but that's just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not actually. I think you'd be a real surprise. Um, I'm setting up uh, with the Desert Arc here in, in Palm Springs. We're setting up a uh, deal where uh, the handicapped kids can actually put these chassis together. Really? So I'm really making a point uh, hmm. of you know what we can do with these chassis. Now, if you can imagine... Detroit, when they have to tool up for a car, a good portion of that is chassis uh, and equipment and tooling and all that stuff. And, you know, anytime that you hear uh, Detroit speaking, they talk about in the billions to set up a plant. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can take a lot of that out for your initial capital cost expense, then all of a sudden, you know, you're a lot, you become a lot more flexible because you're not spending that kind of money. And so... You're able to take it out of the front end of the car, right? To the consumer. So if a car's nineteen thousand, maybe it'll be eighteen thousand, but still, it'll be only eighteen thousand, right? So and and make the car companies more profitable at that. Um, so the chassis itself is is pretty amazing, but the car itself, I mean, in general, um, you know, there's so much to this car, and everyone says, well, you know, when is this car going to come out? And I said, it's going to come out when it comes out because we're creating so many different innovations from simple stuff from windshield wipers, working with our technology partners, to our glass. Um, For instance, uh, this is an all-glass top. I live in Palm Springs. It gets very, very hot here. Um, They have glass where it becomes opaque so you can just take out the glare entirely, but it goes completely black. Hmm. Um, Where I wanted to be able to shade it down in any shade that I wanted to, let's say one. One
2: through ten, right? Kind of like what they do with the eyeglasses.
0: Exactly okay. what they do with the eyeglasses, but I have control over it, right. where they don't have control over it. When they go on the when they go on the light, it automatically changes. I wanted mm. to be able to dim that the way I wanted to dim. It.
2: And have in car control that you can make it as dark or as light as you want.
0: And each panel, if I want.
2: That's to. that's that that is incredible. That's crazy. That's that's <laughs> that, that's great.
0: And, you know, that has been done. We work with technology partners that step up to the plate. And, um, and this is where these technology partners come in. Um, uh, we call it Smart Glass. Uh, Research uh, Frontiers is the one that actually helped us. And anybody that goes on my website, they, we have a little demonstration It says how it works. And uh, there's a little bar on there, and you can stroll it and, and see exactly how it works. And, um, you know, it was developed for this type of operation, but more importantly, this is now coming not only to cars, now people in buildings are calling, airplanes, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see it starting to widespread everywhere, because how would you like to be in an office building where you know it's 100 degrees coming through that glass, and you can make it 50% Fifty percent, and still be able to see out of it, and knock out the rage, You would love that,
2: no, no, without a doubt. You know, you know what's interesting is that, you know, if you watch movies, and I, and I always point to Hollywood when I see technology. Sometimes uh, they take a thought and throw it into a film, and they create like a uh, a faux type of situation. But if you can think it, it can be done.
0: There's no question in my mind. And obviously, you know, it takes a severe amount of money and perseverance, but um, you know, money's always the key factors to these. Uh, there's a lot of people in the garage. And, you know, on my website, on the very bottom of it is I, I say, if you have an idea and, and um, you know, you, you want to get it out there or if you think it's worthy, you know, send it to me. I'm interested because I believe that everything starts from somewhere. And most of these projects, believe it or not, start in the home, the car garage, the basement. The thing about it is they just don't have the capital in which to put it out there or the marketing experience. Mm -hmm. And um, and we have many, many people that send in to us. And and I will say that, you know, let's say 85% of them we can't use because Mm -hmm. uh, it it just doesn't fit the need. But there's 15% out there that we look at very seriously and end up becoming partners with or working with.
2: Right. But that's because great because you're giving an opportunity to for, for people to come in and say, "Hey, this is my thought," and you're not. It's not like you're taking it. You're actually working with them as well.
0: Well, we become uh, we become partners, or right. we ask them, "Do Do you want to be partners? Do you want to be bought out of this? Mm-hmm. What's your intent?" We go through the whole thing. Um, you know, our our ideas is that big world out there with the internet. Again, the internet is such a strong tool. People don't realize it. It's such an amazing tool. Yeah. I can have documentation, you know, in two minutes in front of me and send it over to my people and review it and come back and, you know, in a very very short order of time. And um, uh, you know, the internet really has changed everything. And that's why I keep saying. Technology has changed the automotive world more than most people know, and, you know, people are jumping on the bandwagon now because they're seeing it. As I, as I keep preaching to, to everyone and telling everyone, you know, that, uh, you know, eventually iPod's going to run your car. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my vision is, is you have a, a device like an iPod, you put it in your car, and it does everything
2: but we and don't we, we don't want Steve Jobs jumping on that idea because he has enough ready so he doesn't need to do this <laughs>
0: <He> <laughs> not, anyway. but,
2: I, I love the guy smart guy but you have to give somebody else an opportunity god <laughs>
0: but, but that's what I'm saying somebody yeah. that that sees that vision right. uh, out there where you can throw hundreds uh, hundreds and hundreds of different apps i mean and uh, it'll plug in and, and as we all know that the telephone the internet the TV, it's all coming down to one conversion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be one. Our, you know, our watches. You're going to be able to watch TV and, and talk, and you know, email and whatever. It, it's happening as, as before us today.
2: Yeah. And, and and it's coming. You mean right now? Even with the cable companies, you mean years ago, you had the. Hardline phone, you have your Verizon Verizon, whatever it is. Actually, back then, uh, it was called something else. You had all the bells out there, and you had to plug into the wall. Now it's about it's a cable, where it goes. You know, in- I used to
0: I used to tell people, you know, and I think it was probably what 15 years ago, my phone bill was running about fifty five hundred dollars a month just at my office. Today, you know, it's run to nothing.
2: Yeah. Because everything goes down, and right now I know Time Warner, and I, I, I shouldn't mention the company, but I am. Uh, Time Warner, uh, basically, they, 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 you can watch, uh, you can see who's calling. You have a caller cool ID on your television.
0: I'm there. I, I, I that's what I use. And uh, yeah. you're right. It's, you know, uh, again, the technology in general. Um, will eventually be in your car, your car, you know, you'll get in your car. You won't even drive your car. It'll be the safest car because it'll break. It'll stop. It'll do all that, you know, and all this needs to be perfected. But, you know, over the next 10 years, look what we've done in 10 years. You're going to see this happen in the automotive industry only because technology is becoming cheaper, mm-hmm. easier to get to plentiful and very reliable. That. And if you can start putting that into a car, you know, um, then all of a sudden your car prices come down. I, I look at all these uh, other cars out there, electric cars and hydrogen cars and all that, and uh, I'm very conscientious uh, to, to our earth and our planet and say, well, what do we do with these batteries? What happens when these batteries explode? We've seen computers that start on fire and we've seen all kinds of crazy things and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are we creating a new problem when we haven't solved the old problem? You know, so a so, lot to look at. Though.
2: Yeah, but you're always thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking about what you can do, how this can work with that, and so on and so forth. And basically, America was built on innovation. America was built on entrepreneurship. America was built on, on people, you know, trying to to, to to build something better. And that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you're like the epitome of that. And people, you know, that are listening to the show, you know, they, I mean, you want an example. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah,
0: we, we, we ask people for help, and uh, the reason why we do that is that we believe that there's a lot, a lot of uh, uh, innovation out there that it's on the shelf uh, that's fantastic. And, and we know it's out there. We, we see it. We, we see movies on stuff, you know, that have yeah. been out there, and they just haven't been able to go out there. So here's a website not only that you can learn, about how a car is built because we're showing how the whole process is done the best that we know how mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time you can come in and and give us some advice and if you have something interesting give it to us let's take a look and see um, I mean I, I believe what you just said is absolutely correct the us is the leader innovator around the world mm-hmm. I have, Everybody's copied everything that we've done. They sure. might be manufacturing it out there, but it was created right here in the U.S. Yep. And as you can see, everybody that I'm using is a U.S. operated company. And, but and you, so. But that, I think uh, that's, that's great. No, that, I think that's great. I just want to add
2: something in there, because, you know, I mean, uh, just because you brought it up. Yeah, this is what, how America was built. We, we were a manufacturing nation, and we, something happened, and we became a servicing nation and and i'm like for you for someone like yourself doing this okay and and manufacturing here in the united states and and developing all this innovation i think that's fantastic stuff like that is what's going to help to keep america great and i'm going to let you continue your thought i just want to throw that in there before i forgot
0: no i and uh, again i i i i'm a firm believer in that i I've, I've gone to um in fact, uh, we've looked at all 50 states and said, you know, who's doing what in what state and how can they contribute to our car event? And so uh, this car has become, um, you know, the, the the Natalia itself is being uh, developed in uh, each state virtually. We've picked a lot of states. A lot of it's done in Detroit because of the uh, talent and technology there, you know, I, I when you hear all the stuff, you know, Detroit's falling apart and all that, let me tell you, the people have been falling apart. They're brilliant people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I say to the um uh to the heads of these, you know, you you have expert people there, listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Instead of telling them listen to them. But it, and, go, uh,
2: it goes back to what you said earlier on that they're more worried about the bottom line and the shareholder than they are about producing uh, a great product and helping to build this country.
0: Well, if we had passionate people running car companies, again we would build product. I mean, we were so proud of the of the uh, Corvettes and Chevys and and uh, Fords and you know the T birds and the, I mean our cars were different and no mm-hmm. one copied each other and they. Uh, I mean it it was really amazing stuff. Um, what you've seen in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And, uh, you know, because those guys were passionate. When you yep. look at the people that running the car companies, they were passionate. They were visionaries. They had their own ideas mm-hmm. of how they wanted to do that. And um, uh, if I had any advice for them, put passionate people in the car business back in it. Don't try to take business people and move them in there that really don't understand that business. They might understand business in general. Mm-hmm. And you can go to business school 101 and understand how that one plus one is equal to two. But. You're not going to understand the car and design and, and, and features and thinking, you know?
2: Right. No, I, I understand that. And one thing I'm going to say is that th- this show is going to go a little longer than normal. Just I want to let our listeners know because uh this is very interesting. Because I have some questions for you since you are in the auto industry, and I want to get your view on. But I, I definitely want to... Uh, talk about the Natalia and exactly you know, what we're talking about right now but you know later on I want to touch on uh, certain uh, topics and to get your input because I'm curious on, on what your view is of uh, certain things.
0: Sure, sure. Um, uh, other features to the Natalia is that we, we have a handicapped chair in this thing in the front seat will come up and do it like a 90 degree and be able to uh, um, put you out on the, you know, uh, so you can stand up on the street which is which is kind of neat.
2: Uh, Wait a second. Uh, You're saying that the the actual seat can, will come out, lift up, they, they can go on it, come down, and go back in the car? Exactly. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That, that and,
0: does, uh, yeah. again, you yourself might not be handicapped, but you might have a passenger that would never be able to enjoy a car or try to get in and out of this particular car. And, uh, you know, it's there. You know, know, you can do it. But no, that, no, that's in no, no,
2: a no. luxury automobile. I'm just going to, you know, say something personal uh, as far as me. My brother was handicapped, and I used to have a Corvette, and he wanted to ride in it so badly that I can only bring him in the car one time because it was such a struggle to get him in there and get him out. Sure. So I, I commend you on that because I think that is incredible. You know. So I just wanted to touch on that, just a personal thing. I Sometimes I get personal on the show, but... Uh, but it's just—I mean, this, 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 uh, this conversation that we're having right now about this is ultra interesting to me. So I'll let you continue.
0: Yeah, um, the, um, you know, the, the the front of the car. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, all the listeners out there that've been driving uh, cars and uh, they know when they park the car, people come. What kind of car is that and whatnot? So what we did is we built inside the headlights a screens uh, we run a DVD inside, and when I walk away from the car not to be rude to anybody, you can just go to the front of the car and the car will talk about itself. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is kind of a, a you know a nice little thing. And then of course, if you're uh, somewhere where you can park against the wall, I can there's a projector built in one of the lights, and I can project onto the wall. Uh, so it'll uh, we'll explain what the car is all about. Uh,
2: that is cool.
0: Yeah. The uh, going sort of back to the chassis a little bit uh, because we're pretty proud of our Tech chassis. It's an all-new chassis, obviously, and uh, our chassis only weighs 457 pounds. And for those listeners out there, uh, your listeners, uh, this car is 250 inches long, about 20 feet, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a big car. This is a four-door. This is a big car. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a you know a very large car, and the chassis only weighs 457 pounds. And what's um, your typical
2: chassis that, you know, let's say uh, on a big sedan, uh, a big Mercedes or a big a big sedan from one of the U.S. automakers, what's the typical weight on those chassis?
0: On a comparable chassis of this size, right around 2,000 pounds.
2: So you're at about less than 25% of uh, a typical chassis for a car of that size.
0: Yeah, this car in general overall would is going to weigh right around 3,900 pounds versus around 8,000 pounds. That's a comparable car of this size out there today.
2: And, and it reduces the fuel consumption, gives you more power and uh, allows you to do a lot of other things that's, that's, that's interesting.
0: Sure. So when, you, when again, when you take out the weight now you can imagine uh, a D-Tech chassis, let's say in a smaller compact car, um, we you know obviously I have more cars on the, on the drawing board and Natalia won't be the only car out there. And by the way, the Natalia name came about by we, I name all my cars after women. Mm-hmm. So uh, if someone asks, and uh, so the Natalia is um, obviously um, the first car being uh, named after my mother, being a good Italian boy. I kind
2: of figured <laughs> that, but that's good. That's, that's good.
0: <laughs> uh, and uh, the SLS means sports luxury sedan. And the two, when you see a number by the side of my car. You know how much it costs. $1,000,000, ah,
1: dollars, point
2: three three,
0: three point one. You'll know how much it costs. So oh. it just simplifies things, and you'll never forget it.
2: Right? No, that, that that's that's pretty interesting. So uh, it, it reduces the uh, the question. Just point your finger and walk away. And
0: there you <laughs> go. What did you pay for it?
2: Look, there. Goodbye. <laughs> but but these cars you have. This is a V16, right?
0: This is a V16. It's 1200 horsepower, and everyone says, "Why 1200 horsepower?" You know, and um, I said, "Because I can." Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the engine that we're doing is an engine that could be used in the marine world for boats and mm-hmm. uh, other applications, airplanes. So this engine was not only designed for the car; it was designed for other applications.
1: Right.
0: But at the same time, that um, it, even though it is a V16, you're only using on demand what you're using. So if you're in the city and driving around you're uh, typically only using eight cylinders when you put your foot to the metal then if you want to step it up to all 16 cylinders and go your 270 miles an hour you're able to do that
2: right and and still you're you you have better gas mileage than you would a car that has a V8
0: well, and that's the thing, because you're, you're, you're taking the weight out, and mm-hmm. we're conscientious to that. We're working on new fuel injection systems constantly, all the time, uh, different ways to enhance, um, um, you know, even looking at um, uh, methods of uh, heating up the fuel better, so you're burning better fuel. Uh, this is a, a constant, ongoing battle uh, with uh, combustion engines, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, we're no different. This is our own engine. A lot of people say, well, what 16 is that? We're, this is a ground-up engine, and it's sandcasted, which in itself is pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. soon we'll have up some video on the actual building of the car on my website, mm-hmm. so you can actually see how this process is done of uh, sand casting, uh, And uh, it's pretty amazing. And by the way, again, all this is done in the U.S. Right. All this equipment, all this machinery, and all the help that I'm getting from what we call technology partners. This is all U.S. technology partners stepping up, saying, "Hey, we believe in what you're doing, and we have cutting edge that we think that would fit with you, and and or help us develop it with you."
2: No, that, that's great because you're you know this is what you're doing this you're actually setting things up to employ in the in the US create jobs and and create you know factories and and, and help grow business because when you create a factory to produce a car like this you have jobs you have uh, what's going on outside you have businesses that pop up and thing you you create a change in an area if you if you build your your factory in a particular area
0: yeah, and um, you know I've always been a firm believer that you know little businesses where where our, our economy grows, not with big business. Right. It's all these uh, small businesses that pop up. They can employ 25 to 100 people. Yep. yep. And um, you know, um, so the the, the innovation, uh, along with the lava rock, you know, people are saying, well, why lava rock? Uh, mm. First of all, there's plenty of. I was afraid. It. I was afraid to ask
2: that, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when you're using um, um, carbon fiber, um, you know, it, it's very hard to work with as far as painting it. You have mm-hmm. to do special primers and all that neat stuff. And now in uh, the way our paint booths today, especially in California, and spreading across the country where we can only use water-based. We're mm-hmm. very conscientious to all that stuff, too. Um, so w- what happens is is that the... Um, Uh, Lava Rock, uh, there's no pre-prep to it. It, It's ready to go. It it actually can go right to primer and paint. Hmm. Um, Where on other materials, you actually have to seal it, primer it, seal it, sometimes again, fill up the holes, and then go ahead and paint it. Hmm. And um, so that's another little unique feature of it. And, of course, that brings you to, to the paint of the car, uh, we have options on our car where uh, our car color, again, I live in Palm Springs where it's hot. Um, I've always wanted my car to be white. I love white cars, but I love black cars at the same time. So uh, we've uh, got involved with a company that uh, can actually develop has developed the paint that during the day and the heat, my car is white and in the evening, it could be black or blue depending on the base that we put down
2: you uh, you're kidding me right
0: no wow
2: that, that's that's amazing
0: yeah and and so now you have your glass that you can tint down um and you can keep the rays out plus the heat now you know we we have th- this feature uh and then of course, our third feature is is that we have cool leather, leather that never gets hot, which um you don't have to be in Palm Springs, you know, to know that.
2: And it gets you know, hot in mean, Palm Springs for our listeners. It gets hot over there because I've been there, and I think it was 112 one day, and I it was. I mean, I, I didn't feel it until I put my foot on the cement. That wasn't a good thing. Wasn't smart yeah, on my, my it, part. Yeah, but you know, anywhere,
0: anywhere where there's heat, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're driving and and you know, and you can see where this will go. This will go on motorcycle seats eventually. Sure. This will go on hot rod cars, convertibles. Um, you know, how many times you leave your convertible, even when you're in New York, it gets hot. Yeah. I mean, so now, now you can actually jump in the car.
2: Well, the sun's beating so, on it. It's just, you know, it, it can be 60 degrees if the sun is beating on your car, your leather's going to get hot regardless.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that, that portion of it, uh, is also kind of cool, kind of yeah. neat. And, uh, again, it's uh cool leather and, uh, all that's found on my website, mm-hmm. you know, the manufacturers of it and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we put them out there because we think that this is pretty incredible stuff. And it's not much more money than any other leather would be out there.
2: Well, that's interesting. But then now the body, the construction of the car, the body is you're using aerospace technology, right?
0: We are. And, and some of the body, we we're, we're, uh, again, we're using uh, the lava rock for our body components along with uh, aluminum which is uh, similar to a, uh, and, um, in some terms, it's a spray-on aluminum, and then our lava rock goes behind that, and, and it seals itself. And so you can actually have a car that feels like aluminum, touches like aluminum. The layer of it is aluminum, but it's strong as carbon fiber or any other uh, very strong material out there.
2: Wow. And and if someone was to buy this car, one one luxury that I and I'm looking at at what you have right now, I know one of the luxuries and I find interesting is that you have four wheel steering.
0: Yes, four wheel steering, four wheel drive, 16 speed transmission, which is our own transmission. Um, obviously, you don't need 16 speeds, but um, um, I need to go reverse and drive
2: and park and neutral. That's all I need. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Our uh, first gear is from 0 to 60 in first gear, so that kind of tells you the, the power. And the concept of the car for me too was is that I wanted it to get in a car that sort of felt like a sports car mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyable, if you know what I'm saying. If you've ever yeah. been behind the wheel of a Ferrari or a luxury fast car, you know, you love that feel. It's just a mm-hmm. you know, feeling that's indescribable. Yeah. But at the same time, when I wanted to be pampered to be in the back of the car, I wanted to have all, all the amenities and be pampered. So you have your, your screens, your faxes, your computers, uh, uh, everything known to man will be in the back uh, of this particular car to include all the reclining seats and all the you know feature uh, comforts that uh, are pretty amazing. You mm-hmm. know, And, of course, we're developing all this as we go.
2: No, but I think it's fantastic, and and you have so many things in there. I mean, even to the lighting in the car, okay? You you didn't skip a beat with anything.
0: No, the lighting's very interesting. in there. We brought a a light expert in, which he's an incredible man and very, very cutting edge, and uh, uh, really wanted to think through the uh, lighting of this car, you know, what I call mood lighting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and also when you're driving along, um, the wheel can tell your heart rate, feel if you're raged a little bit, it will change the color of the dashboard to, to a particular blue that we know that is a calming blue. So we've done our color studies. <laughs> uh, a lot of thought has been put into it and um, uh, unique features. I, there's so many features. It's uh, we, we could probably sit here for days.
2: Oh no, without a doubt. one one thing I found interesting just a few months ago, I was I got in my car and I said, okay, I had my laptop and I wanted to check something. You know, obviously, I pulled over, uh, but then my my uh, battery was dying in the car. I was, I mean, not not in the car, on the uh, on the laptop, and I said, I I can't even charge it because I didn't bring the the outlet to do it. So I, I I was like it this it was it was horrible. And I said all right, I need this information. I can't charge the the laptop and I said it would be great to have an outlet in this car. So I can plug of in.
0: Course, of course, we have an outlet in the car. We also have a um, 115 or 230 converter in the car. How many times you've gotten the car and you just want to plug something in, yeah. you know, from from your house mm-hmm. and you can't do that. That's built into this car. Um we have a Twinkle charge that's actually built into the car. Uh, how many times have uh, cars been sitting around if you're not driving it and uh, the battery goes dead? So we have not only a cutoff valve, shut off valve, but we have a Twinkle charge that is actually built in. It, you pull it out from the car itself and plugs into the wall, so you don't have to go buy that accessory and have it hanging around.
2: That, that's great. I, I love that idea. See, people, you know, they, they'll see the it Natalia. They say, "Wow, what, wow, it's two million dollars." But it's two million dollars. But look at everything that's involved here. You have every amenity in this car.
0: It, it is. I, uh, you know, I try. To, I, I tell people, it's truly the the real 007 car. Right?
2: Yeah, you I know? mean, I mean, even it, it, even for your, your heat controlled cup holders, uh, and, and everything else, it's amazing.
0: You know, that's a perfect example. When I was doing, uh, the heated couple, you know, the, the, um hot and cold cup mm-hmm. holders, when I first started that, which was, uh, that was one of the first things that we did three and a half years ago, you didn't find that in cars. Mm-hmm. In today's world, you find it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed how many engineers are on my website, because I'm giving it all away. And I want to.
2: But you're helping, you're helping the auto industry, and I think that's fantastic. And and one one thing, and I'll and I'll touch on this, uh, which I found um, funny, because you have you have like uh, was it the Bentley? You know, you, you buy a car like that, yeah, it's going to cost you a few hundred grand to go get a car like that. You have all this stuff involved there. They have their own umbrella, this and that. Uh, but all the stuff that's in that car is nowhere near what you have. Nowhere near at all. But well, well, one, yeah. one one little thing you have for the women, uh, why don't you tell, why do you tell our listeners what you have for the women in this car?
0: Well, a little touch to separate everyone else from from uh, this car from everyone else, especially for the women. You know, uh, women need to be part of it. Uh, typically, you know, guys are always involved in cars, and uh, although more and more women are definitely coming on board, right? Yeah. Uh, we built a uh, uh, we designed a special purse that just goes with this car for the women $12,000 uh, purse and uh, it's given to the women and the only way that you can get one of these purses is to be on an Italia mm. so um, it's just kind of a little special feature and a thank you from us them and to include the women uh,
2: inside you know with you know right. so they can't go to a store and you know go to uh it's like it's not like buying a Chanel bag or something this has to, you buy the car you have the purse uh, you can't buy this somewhere else
0: can't buy it anywhere else it right. just comes with the
2: car right. so you see somebody walking around with this purse you know they have a two million dollar car and that's all that's said about that <laughs> That's <laughs> all um, oh,
1: you can say about that. Yeah, I know. I mean that I mean I
2: think we covered everything with with the Natalia. I, it's it's awesome. I'm like uh, I there's nothing I can ask about it. I, I just I, I want to get in the car. That's what I want to do, you know. So I mean it sounds yeah. fantastic, you know. I, I I know you that when this, when this does when you, you when you do finish everything that you're doing with it, this is going to be on the cover of every auto magazine from here to Timbuktu. And if they don't do that, it's it's crazy because you are no, not – go ahead. I'll, I'll let you say what you have to say.
0: Well, you know, we're, we're getting a, a lot of people writing about it because now they're starting to understand the program. At first, they didn't get what I was doing. And, you know, merging technology with automobiles, that that makes sense. And today, it really makes sense. So yeah. it's finally catching up to it, to it and uh, soon the car will be out. You know, we, we look forward to the car to being out and over the next 18, 24 months. We have cars that are already pre-sold; people waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and one of the things I might add is a lot of our safety features in this car. We've really gone out of our way for safety in this car. Mm-hmm. Fuel systems. We have a product called Tank Tough. We call it Tank Tough, where you can actually uh, penetrate this, and it self-heals itself. Uh, for instance, if somebody decided to shoot at your car, which God forbid that never happened, or Mm -hmm. something penetrated it, it would self heal itself and uh, wouldn't explode. Um, those kind of features for safety are really important for a car like this.
2: It's like a Wolverine car. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I keep making reference to those, I mean, to to those movies, but, uh, yeah, and and I'm going to say this again for our listeners, you know, this is the real life. Tony Stark uh, he I mean what you're doing is amazing and then, you know, the other thing is too which I didn't know before I spoke to you and, I, and I, I'm i in awe uh, just going into everything just so you know um, but you're not just going out there and saying well I want to build a two million dollar car and I'm puffing out my chest this is what I'm doing no you're, you're not doing that at all what you're what you're doing is actually building something that is amazing and you're, you're you're actually, you have technology that is associated with this, and you're actually going out there and giving uh, that out to the world.
0: Well, you, you know, we're, we're building a, a company, uh, a really rock-solid foundation on a company. And what we're looking at doing is uh, expanding that down the road. Tomorrow Motor Car will grow, and uh, we'll be here. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not just for it's for all technologies mm-hmm. uh, uh, related to automotive. And as you can see, it's spreading out to different, different aspects of, of buildings and different things, which, you know, we're happy about, but our concentration is in the car world. And hopefully, uh, you know, we're building the, again, you know, the new Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, the, the start of what we think would be the the new way of building cars.
2: Well, you know what I wish, I wish, uh, you know, General Motors, I mean, if you, even you know Ford, Chrysler, all, all these automakers and especially uh, you know um, companies in the United States you know that, that are building here the one picture that I see with with an automaker and I see you doing it as well when Henry Ford stood by his Model T with a big smile on his face and took that picture that's pride in what you're doing and that's what there's like a disconnect and the auto industry, because uh, it's all corporate, and you know there's a lack of a pride in what in, in producing a great product here in the United States, and I and that's what you have. You have that pride, and that's fantastic. Now I'm going to ask you your opinion on two things, if you sure. can, if you don't mind. Um, first, with the uh, the state of the automakers, uh, like General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, all these car makers, um, do you think that the 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 state that they're in that they could have avoided all the issues that they have that that, that were created and where they're at today
0: well you know I, I don't have the crystal ball but I do have an opinion on that and I think that uh, my opinion would be is that uh, it's clear to me and I probably clear to everyone else that um, that yes it, 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 it could have been avoided um, uh, I, I think everyone's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, I, you know, as you can see, I'm hesitant about it because, mm-hmm. um, again, I, I didn't have the crystal ball. But to me, it was pretty clear that we weren't building the product that we should have been doing and in the innovation. Uh, in my opinion, we got a little lazy on our, uh, on our um, innovations, and so uh, we lacked a little bit. And therefore, we hurt. In other words, we, we stood to be old school and, and kept to be old school. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that hurt us uh, and today uh, and in the future. No one's seen, you know, the the crash coming, or a lot of people did. But, you know, would it affect the cars the way it did? And especially the big three, you know, when you get that big, you know, you. Sometimes you think that you can't be knocked down, and here you are, you know, all three of them sitting there asking for money. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, out of the three of them, uh, I think that it was clear to me that if you're losing that much money on a continuous basis, uh, that something clearly was not correct or wrong, and someone should have stepped up to the plate and said something, whether it's been the shareholders, the, the people I know that. Uh, people in general were complaining about the quality of cars mm-hmm. as far as, you know, when they took it off the lot and, you know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I, no question that there, it was definitely coming <laughs> mm-hmm. and it could have been changed in and my opinion.
2: They could have went down a different road. It could have been a different situation. And, and I'll, I'll add on to that because I know it's hard for you to, get deep into it. I mean, you you do have your opinion, but I don't want to put you on the spot with putting yourself out there so much that, uh you know, I don't want to do that to you. But I, I, I have to say something here. Out of the three companies that were out there, General, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, the one company that realized their shortcomings, and I was impressed, was Ford.
0: I You know, I have to agree. Ford jumped in. Um, they Really started, uh, they were the first in the innovation that caught on that said, hey, I, uh, you know, when they partnered up with Microsoft and uh, jumped in on that, um, you know, uh, and, and Ford, you know, God bless them. They're the only ones not borrowing money today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think they're going to go a long way. And th- what they did is stay to their core business. And I think the other mm-hmm. businesses kind of got away from their core business. Mm-hmm. And I think Ford is even shrinking down more to stay in their core business.
2: But that—that's the way you need—that's what you need to do when you're in, in this uh, economic environment. You know, uh, with, with General Motors, they had GM Capital, they had the, the company, they had this, they had that, they had the uh, the other part of the company, which uh, uh, was it, Delphi or, or Delphi? They were uh, selling the parts, all this stuff. So a lot of stuff. Okay, right now in today. As we speak, the government owns a piece of them. The unions own a piece of them. Uh, I see a conflict of interests, and and I, I don't think that the innovation through those companies are going to be what it used to be. I think Ford is going to be there. I think you're going to be there because what you're what you're producing right now is uh, you're bringing innovation to the table, and you're not saying well. We, we came out with a heated uh, windshield wiper, and I'm not telling anybody I'm going to keep this here in my vault until I'm ready. Yeah. You're not doing that. You're letting it out there because you want America to continue to be great in the in the arena of manufacturing, and, I and again, I commend you on that. Now, talking about America and the auto industry, my second question is what do you think about the uh, U.S., Allowing, I think it's in 2010 or something, allowing China to sell their cars here.
0: Well, that's a really good question, and um, I, I don't, you know, uh, America is one of those companies, uh, countries that allows everyone to come in to the country, uh, pretty much, and all businesses, and um, I don't have a problem with it to the point where, you know. And America wouldn't have a problem with this. We built a good product and competed against them. So uh, in a sense They're bringing competition to us That's making us step up to the plate and be better and be smarter about what we do on the other hand um, You know, we we hate to say taking business away from uh, any of our dealers and and people here in the US Uh, Now if those China companies are building like a lot of companies are building factories here and leaving the money in the U.S., that's one thing. You know, I hear about factories that are here in the country and they're promoting that they're here in the country and all that neat stuff. But is the money staying here or is it being shipped back to their country? So, um, you know, there's good and there's bad to it. And uh, the bad thing I I would probably have to say is that China for a long time uh, had built questionable products. Today they've really stepped up to the plate brought in americans and all types of different people and they're building really good quality if they want to they can build very good quality merchandise and they can do it a lot cheaper than we can obviously because of our labor rate cost and structure of this country so they do have a real big advantage now do the dealers and on um, the other hand, the dealers that have just got cremated by the three here, mm. um, they need something to sell. I mean, mm. if you looked at how many dealers got knocked out of business, not to their choice. Right. And they still have all this property and everything, and they're good business people. They need something to sell. Yeah,
1: without a doubt. I mean,
0: there, it is filling a the gap there, too. So, you know, I have this real mixed emotion about it. And, Again, if we build better product than anybody, guess what? We're going to sell more than anybody, and who cares who comes in?
2: No, exactly. And maybe this will be that uh, that gun to the head that says, "Hey, you need to step up and uh, do something here. You need to step up and make uh, better vehicles, uh, uh, less expensive vehicles, uh, vehicles that consumers are going to want to buy, not not a vehicle that a consumer is going to look at and say, "Well, I'd rather go for something that's cheaper." uh and it's made better so uh we won't buy your car
0: you know there's a lot more competition out there as you know korea china Mm -hmm. honda i mean even honda in its day you know it was known for little cars and no one was touching them and Mm -hmm. honda's now having the problem that everyone else is you know into their market space Mm -hmm. so it's a changing world out there and um uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the next couple years go. But there's no question that America is number one, always will be number one, if they just stay focused on what their primary business is and not worry about the rest of the world. Right. And uh build really good quality product that people want. And you hit it right on the head. It's what people, consumers want, not what we want to give to them. It's what they want. Right. So, like, we're taking out big trucks now, we're taking out all that. Now, you know, that's good for a while, but people have horses and cars and trailer and moving things, and let's face it, they're not going to drive around a little truck and try to tow it around. It's unsafe to start off with. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, that, that's a mixed bag for me. It goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um,
2: but there's room there's room for for uh for change and and that there
0: there you know, is room and those that change will be on top
2: right and but you have to be innovators in the business and and again and uh you're not asking me to do this I'm I'm saying this that if automakers would just take a page out of your book and not a you didn't write a book but I'm just saying out of what you do and look at your 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 basic blueprint for for running a company I don't care whether it's a car company I don't care what it is just a blueprint for running a company you will be successful I mean bottom line I mean because you you've been successful in everything you've done and obviously you're doing something right And, and you're creating innovation for this country and that's something that we need and uh, and that's and that's about it Uh, is is there anything that you want else that you wanted to go over Alfred uh, about the Natalia or anything else that you have going on
0: well yeah I I do have one thing going on is that uh, um, we're we're doing uh, I'm getting a star here in Palm Springs on the 15th of November actually give me a star here at the Walk of Stars nice And on that same day, Den- Dennis Lambert is uh, going to be involved. Uh, he's getting a star, too. It's the first time they've ever given a star to two people. And uh, the day before, we're doing a charity concert that's uh, going to go uh, into Desert Ark here locally for the uh, disabled kids. It's going to be a great concert. Hmm. Uh, Dennis Lambert is a great songwriter, and uh, he's written songs like... Um, uh, Pink Cadillac, and um, uh, boy, I, there's so many of these on the charts. Uh, Natalie Cole will be there. Sure. The Commodores are going to be there. It's uh, going to be a fantastic concert. It's being over at the uh, Caliente, uh, L.A. Caliente Casino, and uh, the um, all the proceeds at the door are going directly to the handicapped kids, and uh, I'm proud to be part of that and helping. Wow uh oh, yeah. helping that and um, and uh Ernest Bordnine will be speaking on my behalf and Bo Hopkins and hmm. will be speaking on my behalf from American Graffiti. Oh, and, wow. uh, which is uh one of the reasons why I actually got into this business. Um I don't know if those people know hmm. American graffiti but I must have
1: watched yeah.
0: it and that was the inspire that was the one that inspired me the most to go out and say, Go do it you know.
2: That that was a fantastic movie by the way. You know, I can watch that over and over again still today.
0: <laughs> it wasn't. In fact, Bo was bringing his uh, Merc down. Uh, you know, as the pharaoh, he's bringing it down to the Star Dedication. So oh, um, uh, anybody's welcome to come to that concert. The, the tickets are being sold there at the uh, Ali Caliente, or they can go on my website and learn more about it here in a couple of days. And
2: uh, And then there'll be a link. love to
0: have them out there. It'd be very entertaining. There's about 12, 14 different bands out there, which oh, was wow. uh, and. Bless all those guys for helping out. You
2: know? Oh, Well, that, that's, that's fantastic. Now, they can go to, uh, to your website, and uh, there will be a link that they can actually go buy the tickets online and things of that nature?
0: There will be a link that will direct them to that uh, uh, next week uh, when the tickets go on sale. Um, one of Dennis's favorite uh, songs, and the song that he actually wrote, was We Built This City. Uh, which uh, is a very appropriate for th- this whole conversation. <laughs>
2: oh, wow, wow, that that that's fantastic. See, and it's funny when I just think that we're that we're done with you. We're not done with you because you, there's so much, there's so many components to you that I just I just find amazing. I just find amazing. But as you said, we can talk, and I even told you before we even saw at the uh, the show that you and I can probably talk for days about everything about a lot of topics and a lot of things that you've accomplished and just, just things in general. Um, and I think you're, you're amazing. Um, you know, Alfred, I, I have to say that you are an inspiration to anyone that thinks that they, that they can't follow their childhood dreams or their dreams in general. Uh, you're a visionary, you're driven, and you are all that America is about. And, and as being a true entrepreneur to the core, uh, from technology, uh, building an organization, building products, uh, manufacturing the whole nine yards, and and I say this from the heart, I am truly, truly, truly an awe an of you as a person, and everything, you, not, not the things that you've done, but you as a person. And, uh, uh, go Go yeah, ahead. I-
0: I thank you for those kind words, and, and um, I, I hope your listeners are out there listening and saying, hey, you know, let's go make a difference. Everyone can make a difference. You know, uh, anybody in Ford, General Motors, Chrysler, or therefore any car company that owns stock, put your voice out to them. Let them know. Yeah, they have, <laughs> you know, they have to. have know what their feeling is, you know? Well, the same There's way no that they, reason they... the stock should be a dollar. It should be $25. You know.
2: I agree with that. I agree with that. But, you know, you need activists involved in the company you know, yep. to, to, in order to invoke change, uh, change in anything. Uh, with with you, you, you run your company, but you also want to hear from the people. So if if you're doing that, why can't they?
0: You know, we, we not only hear from the people, everyone that writes into us, everyone gets written back to. Now, whether mm-hmm. it's from me or not is a different thing. I do try to read. As much as possible and respond back to as many people as i personally can the more vague questions we have people in house that do take care of that mm-hmm. our website by the way is uh www.demoramotorcar.com that's D I M O R A motor m-o-t-o-r car c-a-r dot com
1: right and
0: uh we'd love to have you on there and take a look again we're, we're Adding on as we build this car more and more and more, so uh, over the next 18 months, um, you'll find a lot of different innovations and in how to get to them.
2: Well, I, I think that you know, the uh, the Natalia SLS2 will get its fair, t- fair share of notoriety uh, and praise, uh, probably more so than the ClinA or, or, the, or the Scepter has. I, I think that what you're doing right now with innovation is going to put that over the top. Uh, Alfred, I want to thank you so much for being on the UCW radio show. This has been an extreme honor. Uh, you've taken your Saturday to, uh, where well, you could have been relaxing with your wife and instead of being on, on the phone with me. <laughs> you know, but one thing I would, I, I would be honored if you would join us again in the near future to get updates on what's going on with uh, the Natalia and with the uh, Demora motor car, if that's okay with you.
0: Absolutely,
2: love to do it. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, to our listeners, that was Alfred Demora. He's a visionary in every way possible. Uh, no one can knock that down. I urge any of our listeners that are auto enthusiasts to visit the, the, the Demora Motor Car website at www.demoramotorcar.com. Find out more about the Natalia. Find out more about what they, what, what Alfred has done. And what he is doing? Find out more about him because this is the this is the the epitome of of the American dream right here. And if you want to be inspired, go to demora.motorcar.com. Find out more about him. Thanks for listening to the U C W Radio Show.
3: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: my mother thanks you,
2: my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and
1: I thank you.